yeah, put the four fingers in the air. We've made it to hour number four. Four fingers up, Finder, please. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's, it's a sign. It means we're almost toward the end. Fourth quarter of the Mac and Bone Show minus Mac today. Having a good time. People sending in their favorite dunks of all time. Before we get to the great Paul B. and Cardi, who's waiting on the, uh, the guest line there. Two that did not get named in that segment that did come up involved backboards shattering on people. Okay. Darvin Ham, 1996, Texas Tech against UNC. That's an all-time moment there. Delayed the game. Backboard broke. Also, let's not forget, in 1992, my co-host Mac, (laughs) in a high school game, had the backboard shattered on his head where it made it onto the local news. and, And they had to delay the game and go to a different gym. A different gym, for crying out loud. So Darvin Ham and Mac... Uh, Darwin Ham did the glass breaking. Mac was the recipient of the glass. They got to be mentioned here, right? I mean, what an iconic moment. I, for, I completely forgot about Mac telling us that. I wonder why he did not actually end up playing at the college level. No, One no. One has to wonder. We, we're still trying to track that. I have the information for the guy that did it. At some point, we're going to have to bring oh, this. Oh, that would be iconic. Oh, uh, that would be amazing. We now go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Paul B. and Cardi of ESPN does the college games, does so much of their recruiting stuff as the lead uh, recruiting analyst. And he also covers the Hornets here for us as well during draft time. Paulie B, Uncle P, what's happening, man? How are you? What's going on, guys? Tell us your dunk stories. You guys have dunk stories? You know what? I never got close enough to the rim to get dunked on or to dunk the basketball. Does little tight goals count? <laughs> yeah, I never got dunked on because I, I knew my role, Paul. I knew, all right, I'm not getting near that basket. Okay, well, that's the end of those stories. Yeah, that's it. We're not going to embarrass ourselves here. It's about embarrassing those that can't defend themselves. We should have made something up. Yeah. When when you look at Duke right now, and you just covered Jared McCain at the high school level not long ago, are you surprised that it appears that he's already becoming maybe Duke's best player right now as we approach March? Uh, Not at all, guys. Not at all. Because when you follow him from high school, which we did very closely, I mean, he became a top 10 player in the class over the course of time. But he always had he always had moxie. He always had great confidence. He was so goal-driven. Everything for him was on a goals board of what he had to accomplish. I didn't really put a time frame on it, but had ultimate accomplishments. Uh, he was one of the best shot makers in the summer circuit. With all the best players in the country, McCain was a dynamic shot maker. He did so as a senior McDonald's All-American game. I, I always thought he was the most ready, both mentally and physically, of all the freshmen coming in. Paul, we were talking today that, before we get into other teams here, Duke is 15-2 and two in their last 17 games. Am I wrong that I still don't really know what direction we're headed in with this Duke team, that you could tell me that it's an early exit, or you could tell me they get all the way to the Final Four? Is that sort of how you read them right now, that they're stacking up wins, but... There's still a ways to go in trying to figure out who exactly they may be here in a couple weeks? Yeah, anytime I think when you have freshmen, you you don't have a clear identity until you have upperclassmen, experienced guys. Because the experienced guys, like the older brother, right, they they carry the way for the younger brother. Younger brother may be more talented, uh, just maybe a person who can take over a game, but it's hard to get a clear identity of a team with so many freshmen. I, I think you're analysis of Duke is somewhere in the middle. I, I don't see them going to a Final Four. Uh, I don't see them exiting in the first round. I remember when we talked earlier in the season, um, I thought they were a top 20 team. 
And then I think everybody got upset. Oh, they're not top 10. No, they're not top 10. In my opinion, back then, they were top 20-ish. And, and that's where they are. Um, and I think that's where they'll land. And I think that's a tremendous spot. Um, and you got to look at the team for who they are this year. Uh, talented freshman with, with a star, a college star in the front court with Filipowski. And, and Mitchell's given them some really good minutes as of late. This is a very good team. Um, I, I think they could, you know, finish somewhere like Sweet 16. Paul, the Tar Heels the other day pick up a big win over Virginia Tech from the sense of just getting themselves back in the win column, a little bit of confidence underneath themselves. One of the guys that shined again on the boards in that game was Harrison Ingram, 17 rebounds. And this is something that we've seen from him throughout the year. But just looking at the player overall, you know, what do you remember, you know, him coming out of high school as compared to where he is now? Because he's he's been such a huge piece for Carolina on the court this season. He's been the ultimate glue guy for them, and and that's not a just a phrase. That's he he keeps things together. And he impacts the game in different ways. If if you watch his game and his impact, he scores the ball, and he can score. He can get you fifteen or twenty. Excellent passer. He knows the value of keeping R.J. Davis and Amando Baycott happy, and I think that's where he shines because he knows to get those guys the basketball. He knows that those guys need to get the most shots, and maybe he's that third wheel. He can defend. He's got good size. Uh, he brings experience, and, and he's about team. He's not just about, I'm coming to North Carolina this year and getting my numbers. That's not who Harrison Ingram is. He came to my basketball camp when he was a sophomore, so I had a chance to really get to know him over the course of you know two or three years. And uh, He's a team player, and, and he's a great piece for North Carolina this year. I love their experience, but the question for me with Carolina is, are they getting complacent at times? Because when they get complacent, I think it shows, not just in the results, but sometimes in the way they play defensively. We're talking to Paul Biancardi, ESPN, on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, all things ACC, and some Hornets here uh, momentarily. Uh, Kevin Keats gets a huge win the other day at Clemson. When you look at the NC State program right now, it's kind of been stuck a little bit in the same area here and there. What needs to happen, do you think, for Kevin Keats at NC State for that program to become a more consistent threat within the conference? Well, I mean, that's that's really kind of a big-time thing. That's what every team's trying to do, right? Be consistent. Be great. And you got 15 teams trying to do it. I like this roster. I went to see them practice early in September, and I like the balance. I like the depth. I thought they had pretty good role identity. Like, they know who they are. Uh, you know, they know who they were a lot faster than a lot of teams this year. Um, you know, sometimes you lose games to talent. Sometimes you lose games because, you know, you didn't bring it emotionally. Uh, they're right there. I mean, they're right there, and I think they just need to put a couple of wins together. You know, guys, when you talk sports, especially basketball, in my mind, the month of February, it's all about confidence and momentum. And how do you get it, right? Is it a win? Is it a good couple of days of practice? Is it a great performance by somebody? Like, what ignites a team down the stretch? Because everybody talks about getting hot. And, and you get hot through confidence and, and some team momentum. Um, and I think, I think State is right there. I think State can play their way into the NCAA tournament and I think that's what you want to be if you're them right now in February. You you want to be in a position that you can play your way in. If they don't get in, 
you know, it's all on them. It's not like they didn't have opportunities. Now, the ACC doesn't give you a lot of great opportunities uh, outside of Duke and Carolina, but you've got to keep stacking wins together. Paul, as you can imagine, we've been marveling at the rookie year of Brandon Miller, and there's a lot of comparisons made to his game around draft time and into his rookie year about Paul George, his idol, and some Brandon Ingram in there in terms of how we can get yeah. the offense that he wants. Well, J.J. Reddick came out last week and said he's seeing a lot of Jason Tatum to his game also. Do you think that that – you covered him in the, at the high school level, then the college level. Are you seeing that there is some Jason Tatum with the game of Brandon Miller? I can see that. I mean, I, I remember I did the draft night with uh, yeah. WFNZ, and I talked about Paul George that night, and I talked a little bit about Brandon Ingram. I mean, I saw that from high school. I saw that from college. Now he's into, you know, three-quarters of the way into his pro career. You know, if J.J. Reddick sees a little bit of Jason Tatum, I'll take that all day. Um, I, to me, Jason Tatum has superior footwork with his jump shot and his size. And, and Jason Tatum really slowed down, you know, after his rookie year. Like most rookies do, they see the game a little bit easier. Uh, and that's the thing about Brendan Miller. We could talk about his points at 16 and a half per game. He shoots it well. He's got good assist, rebounds decently. But the game is slowing down for him as a rookie, and that's unusual because because your first year, the, the physicality, the speed, and the terminology can make your head spin. Uh, we, we've seen a very mature and poised Brandon Miller, and I'm just so happy that the Hornets drafted him that night. I, I really am. I, I felt this is what he could do for this franchise. Paul, you're the best. We love it when you're on here. We love hearing with KB every week on the, on the Kyle Bailey Show here on WFNZ. Where where are you at this week? What are you covering? What what games do you have? High school, college? Well, what's the uh, what's the Paulie B schedule looking like? Well, Paulie B just came back from Columbus, Ohio. I sent you that text message. Yeah. And um, this week I have Big South Thursday night at Gardner Webb, ESPNU. All right, very good. Yeah, I got a picture flounder of Scooney Penn and Michael Red yesterday. Paulie B has sent me photos of his guys of the past yesterday. Oh, there you go. What an iconic game to go to, by the way, too. They pulled the <laughs> really? upset against it, Purdue. It How was, about that? Yeah. It, it was. They were celebrating our 1999 Final Four team. And um, it's amazing because that, that was the best they played all year. So some folks <laughs> thought maybe it was the 99 team that brought them some luck. But what a game by Ohio State. The defense they played on, Zach Eady, the whole game long. The crowd was amazing at the Schottenstein Center. So for me, it was a double win, double celebration. Absolutely. All right, Paul, thanks. We'll be listening to you with KB later this week and certainly following you uh, on social media and whatever you're at. Thank you, Paul. All right, guys. Thank you. There you go. Paul B. and Cardi, ESPN on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. This segment is sponsored by North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. NC Medicaid is for people like you. Full health care coverage at low or no cost. Doctors visits, emergency rooms, and prescriptions. See if you qualify at medicaid.nc.gov. That's Medicaid. .nc.gov. When we come back, a wide receiver, a great wide receiver could be on the market. You're going to hear audio from those in his town that he plays in of why he could be on the market and what it may take to get him through the Panthers. Sports Radio, 92.7 WFND. Welcome back in the 920 segment of the Mac and Bone Show. Going to focus on a name to look out for with the Panthers and a possible guy on the trade market on the West Coast. 
Before that, Flounder, though, we do have some breaking uh, NASCAR news, right? Yes, we do, Bone. Uh, There is weather news from Daytona. I know it's going to shock you. Nice and sunny skies are off and racing in a few hours, right? No, not quite. Uh, The Xfinity race, which was expected to start at 11 today, has been pushed back to 9 p.m. Um, So there is an alternate storyline, too, here that I have to update. One of our listeners and one of my good friends, uh, NASCAR Brad, is down there for all these races. He's got tickets to all these races. Well, his plan was, okay, we're going to, of course, you know, stay watch the Daytona 500. So we'll watch the Xfinity race too. Now, I don't know. Is that potentially in jeopardy for my guy here? He wanted to do all the the three races in one weekend. I'm also concerned about the health and well-being of our NASCAR friends down there because I don't know if you're aware of this. They like to drink a lot. And I'm sure that there's been some pre-gaming getting ready for the Xfinity race coming up. That was supposed to be 11 a.m., right? So now that race doesn't get going until after the regular race. So if you started drinking now... And you then drink all the way up to the regular oh, cup race, and man. then you drink Oof. afterwards. There, there's, there's a, there's a good chance that some people don't wake up for a couple of weeks down there in Daytona. Yeah, this, this is, uh, this is going to be something. I mean, these guys, because you got to be think, you got to think. These people have been drinking since Friday. Now, maybe they set out yesterday because it was, you know, they said pretty early that the 500 was going to be postponed. But this, this could be four solid days of drinking. For a lot of these people, and that's even if they get these races off on time. Now, I think 4 o'clock, it seems like by then, everything will have cleared up. The bigger issue is, what time does the rain actually stop? If it stops early enough in the day, because it takes about two, two and a half hours to dry Daytona. It's a big track. So, we'll see, man. I'm hopeful. I think they get it off at 4 o'clock today, and then hopefully the Xfinity Series to follow it. The good news is, is if for some reason it was to have to get pushed again, they go to Atlanta next week. So it's not like where yeah. it used to be, where they had to go all the way out to the West Coast. So they got some flexibility here. But man, I, I mean, I feel like everybody's pretty excited about this, and we just can't get this thing off the ground. Hoping for the best for the uh, the Cup race this afternoon. We're also hoping uh, for the best for the Panthers and for the future of Bryce Young. And that leads us into our topic for this segment. There's some rumblings out there in Seattle, and we're going to hear from a couple of radio hosts out there to explain more momentarily that DK Metcalf could possibly be on the trade block. Is this uh, a Tyreek Hill, an A.J. Brown situation, and should the Panthers get involved if it is? Here is 710 ESPN Radio Seattle Sports, Brock Heward, Mike Salk, explaining the reasons why it could happen and what it might possibly take to get it. Hear this. But if you really do want to try to make a change in who you are, DK Metcalf is probably the asset you have that would bring back the most and allow you to change your lineup or your roster construction. Yeah. This is not a, yeah, everybody I don't sees like DK the, Metcalf. Yeah, everybody sees the column and, and, and the initial reactions like, oh, here's Salk again. Here's right. hot taker Salk. He's so negative. He hates DK Metcalf. Get rid of DK Metcalf. DK's too selfish. He's too individual, yada, yada, yada. And really what you're saying is he's your, golly, when you look at it, he... How many other valuable trade chips do you have? Essentially none. I mean, I, 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 a Woolen would be a valuable guy, but he's really, really young, and you get him, and you want him to bounce back anyway, and mm-hmm. he's much more valuable to you than he would be anybody else. I mean, you start to look at it, yeah, and it is probably DK, I mean, uh, a Charles Cross, 
would be another again. But just I'm not a looking young, to trade guys on the line correct. of scrimmage. So no. yeah, you know when I see the the replies and the quote tweets and everything else that say things like, "Why are we talking about trading DK? He's the best player on the offense at the moment." I know, I know that. I totally understand. You think teams are lining up to get the seventh best player on your offense? Mm -mm. This isn't trading DK for a fifth round pick. It's not addition by subtraction. This is, if you want another first round pick and more than that, this is how you go out and get it. AJ Brown went for a first and a third. DK in theory should have a little bit more value because you've already paid him. So you're already eating the signing bonus Mm -hmm. and the team that trades for him doesn't need to. Mm -hmm. So, is DK worth two first rounders? Is he worth what Jamal Adams was worth? Is he worth a first and a second? Is he worth, you know, there's a lot of conversations in there. If you got back a first and a second and now, and a good first, let's say you ended up with a 10 or 12 pick in addition to your number 16 pick and mm-hmm. got back a second rounder and two third rounders, mm-hmm. you can start to turn this team into something that resembles what Mike McDonald says he wants. Is it? Uh, th- uh, th- uh, thanks again to Brock Heward, Mike Salk out there, 710 uh, Seattle Sports uh, ESPN Radio. Uh, they laid it out nicely. Look, is it something that I would bet money on that could happen, that they're going to move on from from DK and the Panthers have enough of what they want? Although with Mike McDonald now, the, the coach out there, you know, Brian Burns is here. It is certainly something that was interesting of – what they might want and what the Panthers desperately need in DK Metcalf. It's not likely to happen. I get that. I know it would take a lot and it would take a lot of future assets that the Panthers might not be willing to part with at this moment. But if you drew up the perfect guy for what a Canales offense needs, he had him in Seattle when he was part of that staff did wonders for Geno Smith. You look at what, what Mike Evans did for Canales in Tampa. He's younger than that. He's productive. There's a little bit of attitude problems, but is any staff and any front office going to know DK more than this one would? They would not. In a perfect world, I would go all in and do anything I could if he was out there to get DK Metcalf. Now, do they have enough? I, I don't. On the surface, I would say no, unless you're willing to part with a lot of stuff in the future. But Flounder, when you think DK Metcalf, yes. is he not exactly what we've talked about? What Tyreek Hill was for Tua, Bama quarterback. What A.J. Brown was for Jalen Hurts, Bama quarterback. We've talked about the possibility of guys coming free. It may seem like a dream at the moment, but it's happened before. He would be the perfect guy for what this team needs. Yeah, I mean, he's head and shoulders above all the other people that we would talk about here this offseason in terms of wide receivers. And the connection with the staff is undeniable. There's, I mean, you haven't heard from Metcalf quite what you've heard from Mike Evans, but you would assume that it's very similar the way that he probably feels about Dave Canales, especially since Dave did coach him in that room at one point as well. So... I mean, look, I I get what you're saying, and you need the Panthers to be aggressive. There is no doubt about that. They have to do something to get help. Aggressive and young. creative, right? There's got to be a balance here because yes, of the lack of – they've got to be aggressive with creativity. But you don't want to take too big of a risk, and I do wonder if this is a risk. Not because of the player. People need to understand because there are people that are – 
basically we've seen it this morning that are doubting how good of a player he really is. No, he's a, a very legitimate player. He doesn't get talked about enough because he's up in Seattle. He plays in that 425 window. I, but he's a guy that right now probably top 10, top 12 receiver in the league. Maybe, uh, I mean, he's he, to me, he's probably securely in the top 10. And look at the receiving cord that he'd be joining. <laughs> Yes, exactly. He would, he would look like Randy Moss compared to what we've seen here. Right. And so my thing is, though, he, he they talked about it a little bit there that he has gotten paid. That's true. But when he got paid, he only got a three-year, $72 million deal before last season. So that means there's only two years remaining on his contract. That's the concern for me is that the Panthers are going to acquire a guy that will be here for two years and then potentially leave. Now, maybe that's not the case. Maybe he just loves Dave Canales that much. Maybe the Panthers at that time have enough cap space where they can offer him a legitimately big contract for a wide receiver, and he wants to stay in place. But the risk of having to give up potentially a first-round pick or you know a first-round pick and another high-draft pick, I think that's probably what should give you just a little bit of hesitancy towards going after this. Yeah, I mean, just would Seattle view 33 as almost a de facto first round draft? I mean, choice? they could. And but that way, I mean, you're, you'd be getting a, a stud at 33 rather than drafting like a lad McConkey, who you hope, or somebody like that. I'm just saying, there are, there are scenarios I could see it would take Seattle willing to part with DK Metcalf. We don't even know if that's even possible. But, is it just but rumors? the one first rounder is not going to be enough, right? No, 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 yeah, no. Exactly. But I'm just saying, if so, you, even if you gave up this year's. You have to be willing to part with more in the future. There's a lot of holes to fill. But however, this is a guy that I think people on the text line right now are not realizing. I just had someone say that that T. Higgins is better than D.K. Metcalf. That's not even remotely true. Uh, I I like T. Higgins a lot. Don't get it wrong. This past year, D.K. had 66 catches, which was down. 1,114 yards and eight touchdowns. T. Higgins this year. Now, Burrow did get hurt. He had 42 catches, 656, five touchdowns. I mean, we're not even talking about in the same neighborhood. Also, here. there might be more of a chance you can get DK Metcalf than T. Higgins, because I don't think T. Higgins is going to be an option. He's gonna oh, get... see, I don't know no, about no, no, that. He's I gonna... think the tag and trade is in play for that. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I don't, know. I don't know. that Maybe they value him. Also, uh, to me, DK Metcalf is going to be a number one wideout. Yes. T. Higgins, I don't know if he's a number one wideout. It's, it's questionable. I mean, I think if he landed it, like, I, I think clearly right now he will not be the number one in, in Cincinnati, nor should he be. Do I think he has the potential to be a number one receiver? Yes. But to your point, we know DK Metcalf is a number one guy. I mean, Tyler Lockett is is a hell of a player out there as well. They value him a lot. But we know DK Metcalf is that dude. Um, you know, I, I just, to me, unless you can you can guarantee me that he's going to want to stay here, I, I, have, I ha- am a little reserved about this one. And, of course, the Burns thing is another part of this as well, right? We don't know how that's going to play out there. It's just interesting to talk about possibilities, but this is what we're going to do because whenever a premier free agent's name comes up in rumors, they're going to have to at least be involved in some of those. And I think this is interesting because of the connection the Panthers staff have to DK Metcalf. If there wasn't a staff connection, a deep staff connection from here to DK, I'd say, yeah, you know what? Would he like it here? Someone says he would hate it here. Well, we're just speculating, but 
We don't know what he feels about all these coaches, though, also, right? That's he, the key. He, I mean, he may say no, but he also may love these dudes. Yeah, that's the key. He, we got to figure out how he feels about Dave Canales and this coaching staff. If he really loves them that much, then you take a risk and, and go out there and potentially spend the amount of draft capital that you would have to. But, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. To me, like, would you rather Mike Evans? I mean, I know he's I know he's older but he's probably going to cost less. You can get him in free agency, which means that you don't end up having to trade anything to get him. There's a four or five. There's a four or five year age difference between Evans. and I I get that. But, but I do think that the fact that you wouldn't have to give up draft capital is huge. That's, that's what I think could ultimately be the difference. Just getting a guy like Mike Evans in you, you would keep 33, which you would then probably use to draft a young guy that you really like. And then what Mike Evans does is he gives you a little bit of time to develop that young guy, to develop Mingo, and potentially at that point, you would feel like you're in a pretty good spot where you're at in the wide receiving core for the future to give another veteran to Bryce while not having to give up a ton like you would in this case. Or like somebody else brings up, I mean, people people pushing for Brandon Ayuk here. I, 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 is Brandon Ayuk really going to be available? Do we really think that the Niners they, are going to trade him? They think he is. His family does. They keep Instagramming about I it, just, but he's not a free agent. He's He's got to be traded. One thing to your point about Evans, and the same thing can be said about DK Metcalf, the interest level would have to be high on the signing or the trade because of the familiarity that they have with the head coach, and coaches gravitate towards players that they know. They want a culture instilled. They want a system installed that players know. So Evans and Metcalf, both, whether they can be had or not, we'll find out. They both fit something that the coaching staff would want. Comfort level, and those guys can establish a culture here. They've already built with the head coach other places. And what's the biggest thing that, that Canales has to do here in year one? Reestablish a culture. So he's going to be drawn to guys like that he knows. Yeah, I, I mean, that that's the thing. I think he we've seen it already with the staff that he's put together. He wants some of these guys that he's comfortable with. And let's be honest, the guys that he's comfortable with, I mean, those are two of the best options that we've laid out there. I mean, yeah, T. Higgins is probably the other guy that a lot of people are going to talk about. But, I mean, even him, you have to trade to get something. D.K. Metcalf, number one receiver. So even if you are having to trade for him, it may end up being worth it. And then Mike Evans, I mean, with the, the how little money he's probably going to end up making because he is getting older, it would probably help you with cap flexibility as well, allow you to fill some of the other needs on the roster. So, yeah, I mean, those, those could be your top two options this offseason to get a wide receiver around Bryce because, I mean, we, we, we laid it out there. Look around the rest of this wide receiver class in free agency, I, I don't see anything that's that's great. I mean, there's some. I mean, I, Michael Pittman. I, I think you're still trying to figure out what exactly he is. I think he's a number one receiver, but I know you have, um, you know, some concerns about him. And I well, mean, and Michael Ridley, Pittman, Michael Pittman, and Ridley have the ability to be number ones on this team. I don't mean that they could come in here and lead the team, but are they? essentially on most teams, what you consider a number one. I'm not against Ridley or Pittman, but I do know Mike Evans. That dude's a number one. That guy's yes. a Hall of Famer. DK Metcalf, I'm confident in knowing that he comes here. He's a number one. Pittman and Ridley, uh, I think they've got ability, and I'm all for adding Higgins, same thing. I don't, I'm not anti any of them for what we've seen, 
But I, I have questions about, are they going to get money? Are they going to give up stuff for these guys when they're not truly a normal number one for what other, where they, where they are other teams? Ridley's good, but... See, he's the one I question. Ridley, like... It, I like it was him. one huge year of production for him. Before that, remember, there were the questions. I mean, you have the off-the-field stuff, um, especially, you know, with with betting becoming more prevalent. Uh, so, I, I mean, and again, I, that's something that hopefully is behind him. But I think that has, you know, you, ha- you do have to wonder, is he really the guy that can sort of be a transcendent wide receiver? To me, Pittman, I... I, I could uh, to me I can make the argument he's he is a number one. I mean he had over a thousand yards in two of the last three seasons. The year that he didn't, he had nine twenty five. Yeah, he's good. I mean he piles up a lot of catches, so he'd be a reliable target with a lot for of Bryce quarterback problems. To. He had to deal with too along the way there. Not exactly. Yes, you the know. only problem for for him is if you bring him in. You put him and Thielen out there. Both of those guys are possession receivers. Yep. Where's the speed? Where's that's, the guy that takes the, the top off the yep, defense? The point. So that's probably the one concern there. But that's the thing, man. I, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 going to be tough. This front office, they they got to figure it out because there's a lot of really good options out there that I think can make this group better. But because of money and because of trade assets, it, it's a lot tougher than it probably seems just on the surface. That is uh, something to monitor there. What happens with DK Metcalf? Oh. My microphone just cut off. You okay over there, yeah, Fun? Yeah. Are you are you trying to play me out here? A little no. Bit? You've had enough of me, huh? A microphone goes out. And you've had, bit, you've yeah. had enough of the old Bonesy today. A little bit. Something worth monitoring. Is it likely? No. But right now, we are we are desperate. We are desperate for help for Bryce Young. It's funny to me, too, how... Sounds like me. There, there are some people on the text line that are more taking this as a shot at Bryce Young. Why get a wide out? Bryce Young's not good. Guys... We're trying to help it's, the quarterback it's, it's, out here. It's, it's any, there are some people, by the way, excuse, some people any that are hating on Bryce Young, about. but when we bring out ways to help Bryce Young, they hate that too. So it's almost like you don't want him to be good. Am I wrong in that? So, But the thing is, so you expect him to be a superstar quarterback, but take a look at some of the other really good quarterbacks in the league. By the way, take a look at the guy that was drafted after him. That wide receiving core, pretty solid. Now, they lucked into some of those guys, and part of this is you can get a guy at 33 that can help him. But if you can get a veteran, if there's somebody, especially if Dave Canales is just that good of a guy where people want to play for him, why are you going to pass that up? I just I, That mindset makes no sense to me. So you want him to continue to have crappy receivers, and if he's really that great, he'll just make them better? That makes no sense. Come on, I'll, man. I'll leave it at this. Tua got questioned early. Yep. They got Tyreek Hill, MVP caliber player. Jalen Hurts got questioned early. Now, last year wasn't great for him per se, but the year before, MVP caliber player that nearly won a championship. Why? They got help. They got offensive guys around them. They got better coaching, especially Tua with Mike McDaniel. Coaching, wide receiver help. Those quarterbacks that were drafted high like Tua, all of a sudden that narrative changed once the help around him came. We come back. It's the wrap-up. We get you set for the day and night in sports, including the Hot Canes back in action as well on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. All right. 
right, welcome back in. Final segment of the Mac and Bone Show on this President's Day Monday. It's the wrap-up. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, Carolina Hurricanes as they host Chicago tonight. Flounder, very good uh Little mini West Coast uh, trip for the Canes. They beat the Coyotes on Friday. Got a massive, massive win. Uh, I think really a statement win against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday. And what stood out about this, credit to Walt Ruff of, of Canes.com here. Per Stathead, Spencer Martin is the 11th goalie in franchise history to win each of his first two appearances in just the fourth to accomplish defeat in two road contests. They called up a goalie. He won both games, Spencer Martin did. And you can't say enough about how big that second one was. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's huge, man. They, they got to start making up some ground here. I mean, the Rangers are back to playing really well. Once again, I mean, seven in a row for them, the longest active streak in the NHL. So they needed to start, you know, putting together some wins. And this is this is the weird part about them. They have wins like this. They have a couple wins this season now over Vegas where it makes you feel like, okay, this is the this is when this team is going to start to show it. They have an important stretch coming up. They have three straight home games. Tonight, as you mentioned, against Chicago is big. Yeah. But their next two games, I think, really determine if they can find a way to Chicago's turn this into bad. a five game win. Yeah, Chicago's streak, bad. They, bad, they yeah. should they should win that yeah. game, no problem. It's the next two that really I think will show if they're ready to compete in the Eastern Conference and be a serious contender. And that is Florida and Dallas at home. Both of those teams are really, really good. They lead their divisions. If they can find a way to win, even one of those two, I think you'd feel really good about this stretch. It's, at this point, you just have to find ways because you have to start narrowing that gap with the Rangers. I feel like if they can get home ice advantage, at least until the conference finals, you feel pretty good about where they're at. If not, and they have to go on the road, especially if they have to go to Madison Square Garden, that could be pretty tough for them. Yeah, the Canes are 17-6-4 at home, 15-11-1 on the road. I mean, yeah, see, huge difference. What, what, huge they, difference. what happened this weekend, though, with those two wins? You know, the Rangers are not losing, so that's it's staying kind of, you know, within range. Right. Six points back. But if you notice, they're now four up on the Flyers. They're nine up on the Devils. Those two teams were kind of working behind them, not going away. A little bit of separation now as they try to catch the Rangers because the Flyers are putting some serious heat on them a couple games ago. Flyers lost two in a row. Canes won two in a row. All of a sudden, there's a little bit more breathing room there uh, in the Metropolitan Division. NASCAR today, we told you uh, a little while ago, Xfinity race will now be played uh, played. Will now be raced. <laughs> I'm talking. It may be at this point. Yeah, they may we'll have now, to do it on foot. Will now be raced at 9 p.m. tonight. Yes. So it was supposed to be 11 for Xfinity race, four around four for the main cup race. But now we get the cup race first, and then it's going to be it's going to be an awfully long night of racing here. Yeah. No. I mean, it's, it should start. They're hoping to start around four o'clock. But honestly, I have no idea. With the with the rain the way it is, you never really know. It takes about two, two and a half hours to dry the track now with the air tighten system that they have. But uh it looks at some point there will be racing tonight. That's yeah. the good sign for you. Um now I, I don't I, I'm hoping that it's the five hundred that gets raced. I'd be shocked. More than likely they would just if if for some reason they had to push the five hundred back, they would probably push that back later into the night and push Xfinity to tomorrow if they had to. Again, I told you earlier, a little bit more flexibility this year than in years past because they are going to Atlanta next. So I mean what? 
uh, you know, three, four hour drive to their next track as opposed to driving all the way across the country to race at California like they used to. I I do think, though, that the race, it'll be because now the thing is at four o'clock, I mean, we were going to see this anyways. But now, especially, you're, you're going to have to see these teams adjust their plans a little bit more because you're going to get into darkness a little bit earlier in the race than you were probably originally planning. The car will change a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see you know, who, who's able to adjust to that. But I expect, to me, the Gibbs drivers, I think, have a really good chance. You mentioned Martin Truex's success on Mondays. Denny Hamlin, uh, you know, we, we expect... He will continue what has been an outstanding week for him at Daytona. Um, And I think some of the four drivers have a really good chance, too. I picked Michael McDowell. I think he's been outstanding so far. And uh, don't sleep on the RFK, guys. They closed the year strong last year. Brad Keselowski's really good at this racetrack. Chris Buescher, good plate racer. I think those are two guys that can factor in as well, though. Yeah, I'm still going Denny Hamlin, although Monday leads me more down the path of Martin Truex, who is a dominant Monday driver. You're not backing your guy, by the way? What, which one? Kyle Bush. Oh, yeah. You already oh, forgot. Yeah. No, no, oh, no, no. I'm making sure, I'm making sure that you knew. Come on, man. Making sure you knew where I stand. No, of course. I'm always, I've been backing Kyle Bush for three straight days now. Oh, he's, of course. Even got a hat coming. It says Bush on the top of it. Right there in the front of the bush. Oh, hopefully that's the right bush that you're getting. Well, uh, we got a request here. Okay. Oh, God. No. We got a request here. By the way, shout out okay. to Thomas and Gastonia complaining about the show today. And then somewhere in translation, he thinks that we pre-recorded our radio show today that we have not been live all day i'm not sure what what, how would we how would we pre-record the stuff with nascar changing the time of the race if we did this that would be that would be iconic right there we got a request to talk about rick patino and his eruption yesterday yeah where he ripped the facilities his players after the loss of seton hall called it the most uh unenjoyable experience he's ever had now granted he's had some experiences in his life uh, your reaction here to Patino, uh, we might need a wellness check on old Ricky P right now. It's look, and people are going to say that it's, oh yeah, it's the woke mindset or whatever that the modern day mindset. I, it's not a good look, man. I, I gotta be honest because you're complaining. He he's naming players and basically saying how slow they are, that they're not great players. Like these are the best guys on your team. And yet for some reason, you're just attacking these guys offhand. It's it's an odd strategy. I don't know if he thinks it's going to motivate his team, but he says how bad the team has been all year. He's been cranky a way. lot. He's been doing this a lot. He is. I, first of all, you <laughs> play in the Big East. I don't know if you've taken a look around you. The Big East is pretty damn good. Yeah. It's maybe the best basketball conference when you look at it top to bottom. Because just about every game outside of maybe Georgetown and DePaul, you have to show up ready to play. They are also a team that was right on the bubble. So, like, yeah, I get it that they haven't played great. You're also at St. John's. I encourage you. Not been great in 20 years. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Look at the recent success of that program. You really, you really thought you were going to walk in and that team would automatically be fixed. It's, it's interesting. I get he's saying the mindset hasn't been right, but. That's an odd. I, that's an odd look for Patino. Well, and I, Iona was easy for him because yes. the expectations were low. He could go get ten players out of the portal from that level and have success. St. John's, he tried to get ten players out of the portal, and you know sometimes it works. But look at Arkansas this year, Musselman. He's been really good. He went to the portal this year and tried to bring in like ten guys. Not good. Sometimes it can work. 
Sometimes it cannot. So he, yeah, he, just, he's also he's also talking to the administration, I think, too, uh, through the media about the roster. He wants more NIL, NIL money, NIL. Yes, he wants definitely. better facilities. So, uh, you know, we're, well, hopefully everything works out okay for Rick Patino. That's going to do it for Flounder and myself on the Mac and Bone Show today. Want to thank Jeff Rickard for having me today. All right, wait a minute, hold on. Oh, he has you every day. So. Well, actually, I'm not a guest host, am I? No. no. What was our mistake counter today? How many did I finish with? I finished pretty strong, I thought. I think it was probably like eight or nine. So I'm telling you, it got better. I, mean, I as got the, the show. Went I got along. the name. I got the station numbers wrong, and I got the show name wrong, and I got. You got multiple station numbers wrong too, by the way. You got the one in Seattle wrong as well. Yeah, I apologize. Earlier in the I apologize to whatever to who heard this today. Whatever happened. Mac is back tomorrow, hopefully, with the soccer championship trophy. Oh, yes. For Flounder, I'm T-Bone. This is the Mac and Bone Show. Charlotte Sports Today with the great, the esteemed, the high chief. Jeff Ricker next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We just need to get some peanut butter because we already got the jam in here. (laughs) 